Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. We are in a series called Waiting for Our King, and uh, we have been in the book of uh, Thessalonians for a little while, but we are looking at the end of Thessalonians, and the reason why we are calling this series Waiting for Our King is because right before these verses that uh, we have been looking at here, God's Word speaks about Jesus' second coming. And I believe that as we wait for our King, God's Word has some specific things to be teaching us. And for the last two weeks, we have been talking about relationships, relationships between church people and leadership, and also, like, how do we interact with one another? Last week, we talked about admonishing the idle, encouraging the faint-hearted, helping the weak, and reminding each other we do not repay evil for evil, but we always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Well, this week, instead of talking about the relational aspect, I believe God's word is going to be speaking to us today about what is happening inside of us. I think that God's word has a lot to say about relationships with one another, how we treat, treat each other, but also how we respond to each other. Well, today we are going to be looking at what is happening on the inside, not just on the outside relationally, but what is going on inside of you and what does God's word call for us to live? How do we live out as we're waiting for Jesus's return? So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 And we're going to read verses 16 through 22, and I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning out of respect for God's word as we read. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. God's word says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, as we look to your word, as we come here to seek you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your people. Father, you know where your people are at this morning. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will come and encourage us and challenge us this morning. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So I originally, for the message today, wanted to be focusing in on all six verses. But it has been a very strange week for me. And when I say a strange week... um, As I was preparing for this message, this week has been very difficult for me emotionally. Last Sunday, um, I read online that a friend of mine who, who, who I grew up with, we went to high school together, and we were very good friends back in high school, and as, you know, you graduate high school, you kind of disconnect, but, you know, social media keeps you somewhat connected. I found out last Sunday that um, a good friend of mine, her husband passed away. Uh, He was 45 years old. He passed away from 
Corona here, and uh, it has been, for some reason, this has really just been an emotional struggle this week. Thinking about my friend here, thinking about her family, um, and I think, I think the reason why it, it has been difficult is because as I think about my friend, um, I remember after we graduated high school, uh, she got, got pregnant out of marriage, and uh, her, the guy that got her pregnant ran off, and she was, has been a single mom for the last probably like 10 years. And then about 10 years ago, she met a really good guy. And I mean a good guy. He wasn't a bum. He had a full-time job. He was, he was stable. And while we lived down there in Plymouth up until a couple of years ago, I would bump into her and him a couple times per week, or I should say a couple times per year here. And every time I bumped into her, it was so encouraging because I knew the heartache and the pain she went through as a single mom for so many years. And then I really thought, man, this guy is such a good guy. He's a hard worker. He takes care of the family. And then I read that he died. And I was just heartbroken for my friend here. And I think it goes even a little bit deeper because as I have been processing this this past week, I think I relate so much to the story because I think a lot about my own mom. My own mom was a single mom for many years. And then she met a great guy. And this guy provided. And he was a hard worker. And, and I just think about like being in that situation. My heart aches for her. Thinking about life has been difficult for her, and I really felt like the last 10 years were really good. And now he's gone. And I know that she is absolutely devastated. And I just think about, like, what if this would have happened to my mom? Single mom, marries a great guy, provides. And I just, I just, I have been thinking about this. And in the midst of thinking about this, I've been thinking, well, I got to prepare a message for Sunday, right? Like, so like, as a pastor, you go through different things, but then I realize that, hey, Sunday's coming, and I got to be preaching God's word. And not only do I need to be preaching God's word, but the section of scripture that we are in within God's word, verse 16, says these two words, rejoice always. And I've been thinking about this all week because I know that I have not been rejoicing this week. I have been mourning and just praying for my friend and for her son and for the family there, just thinking about everything that they are going through. And I just share that with you, church family, because um, as a pastor, I don't want to be a pastor that just preaches on words, but God calls us to live out his word. And I've been thinking, Lord, how, how can I live this out? You know, I'm, I'm going to stand up here and preach on it on Sunday, Lord. And, and the Lord knew all that we would be within this, within this section of Scripture this week. And I guess I'm just sharing this with you guys. Um, because we are going to be talking about these two words. I wanted to go through all six verses, but I want to talk about these two words this morning. 
Because I think that it is important for us to realize what is rejoicing? Where does it come from? What is God doing in the midst of heartache and pain in our lives? Because some of you in this room right now, you might be having a really good life, and you might be saying, hey, you know, life right now is going really, really well, or maybe you're facing trials and, and difficulties and heartache. But God's word commands us to rejoice always. Well, God, how, how do we do this? How do we live this out? Because obviously God understands circumstances. God understands heartache. God understands pain. God knows that, that, that there is death on this side of heaven. And as Paul is writing this to this church, and we have been talking about this for the last several months, think about these people at this church that this letter is written to. It's written to people that have been getting beat, that have been getting imprisoned, that have been getting martyred. And then here Paul is at the end of this letter, as he just got done finishing up talking about Jesus' return, Paul commands his people, God's people, in the midst of all of their trials and tribulations, Paul says, rejoice. Always. So I want to go, and uh, you may enjoy this today or you may not, but I want to be diving in to this word rejoice this morning. And where do we see this word within God's word? And how do we look at it within our own life? So maybe some of you really enjoy the Greek language. I bring this up sometimes. Um, When I was in seminary, I had to go through Greek, and it was my absolute worst class ever. And uh, when they say it's Greek to me, like there is a reason why that Greek language is a crazy language. Um, But I did make it through. Um, I really don't know how by the Lord. But I want to look at the Greek word here. What is going on here? How is this word used? And I believe that as we look throughout the New Testament on how this word is used, we're going to be seeing some really amazing insights to how do we apply this to our lives. And as you guys know, as you read God's word, there are men and women in the Bible that go through sorrow. Moses, David, Jeremiah. Read the book of Jeremiah. He is a depressed prophet. He is literally just like, he's sad all of the time. He wants the Lord basically just to take his life. So we see that throughout God's word, we, we see people that go through extreme difficulties, extreme challenges. But I do believe that God is, has called us, his church, his people. I believe we can be men and women that can live out rejoicing. So let's, uh, let's uh, dive in to this Greek word here. Kahiro is the word. Can you guys all pronounce that with me so I don't feel like a fool up here. Kahiro. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. I never do this, and I hate those pastors that are like, repeat after me. One more time. Kahiro. You are going to hear that word a lot this morning. It's the Greek word for rejoice. Now, at the time of the New, of the New Testament, this was a secular word. This was used mainly within secular Greek, but Bible writers decided to start applying this word rejoice or from the uh, base word joy to, to Scripture. And they use it throughout all of Scripture. Look at Matthew chapter 2, 
starting in verse 10. This is talking about the birth of Christ. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening up their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold, fragrance, and mirth. Great joy. Kahiran is the Greek word there, the same root. And you see this, that at the birth of Jesus, when the shepherds come, when the wise men come, this word is used, rejoicing. It takes place. Why were they rejoicing? What was the purpose in their joy? Because the king was born. Look at Luke 24, verses 50 through 53. It says, And then he led them out as far as Bethany. This is Jesus and his disciples here. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. Verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Kahias, to be exact there. And they continued in the temple blessing God. Now, in the book of Acts, it picks up the same word used when Philippi, or when, when Philip shares the gospel. Acts 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And look at what he did. He went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch gives his life to Christ, and instantly there's this same Greek word. He's rejoicing. Acts 13. I'm just going through Scripture today, church. Acts 13, 17 through, or 47 through 48. And the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. When men and women found out at this time, see, at this time, Jews and Gentiles, uh, the gospel came, and the gospel was here for not just God's people, but it was also here for all people. When the Gentiles found out that they could receive salvation, when they realized that this Jesus came to die for them and for their sins, it says they went away rejoicing. And you might be wondering here, Pastor, where are you going? What is the connection here? Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension. When people come in, into faith, to faith, when they find out that Jesus can save them, this word is constantly used. Rejoice or joy. When men and women realize who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, the fact that he came to this earth, Scripture is constantly using this one word over and over and over, rejoicing, kahiran, 
kahias. There's many different Greek forms of it, but it's the same word used over and over. And this is huge because I believe, like myself at times and like for so many people, people on this side of heaven believe that rejoicing and joy comes from life circumstances. Is that when life is going well, when life is panning out the way I want it to pan out, I can now have joy in my life. Or I can be rejoicing because life is going my way. But when you look at Scripture, you're going to just see over and over that that's not where I see the joy coming from. Within life, there can be great joyful moments, right? Like if you're a parent having your first child, maybe once that child finally graduates high school, that's another joyful moment where you're just like, and you're off, we'll see you later, you know? Come back and visit at Thanksgiving. But there's many times within life where rejoicing takes place. But when you read and see God's people and God's word, there's rejoicing when life is not going well. Look at Acts 5. I want to share a quick story here. This is, this is how um, the, the apostles respond to uh, people not wanting them around anymore, wanting to shut them down. Look at Acts 5. This is verse 27 through 32. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. This is the disciples. They got dragged in. They're before a council. This is what the council is going to be saying to them. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leaders and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these, to these things. So is his Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those whom obey. The apostles, when they are met, say, listen, I can't listen to you. My God has commanded me to obey him rather than you. They wanted them to stop speaking about Jesus, and they said, listen, we cannot stop talking about this Jesus who has come to forgive the sins of the world. Then look at what happens to him. Verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. Just pause right there. Apostles stand up to the authority saying, I can't listen to you. I need to obey God rather than man. So they beat him and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. Look at verse 41. And they left the presence of the council, Kahiran, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, in the house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They got beat and charged, and they leave the presence of that council rejoicing. Hebrews 10, 34. And we see these circumstances play out over and over throughout Scripture. For they had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully, the same Greek word but added metakahiras, 
joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. The Hebrew writer is writing to the people, and these people had lost all of their property. They were plundered because they were Christians. And it says here that they were rejoicing in the fact because they knew something was beyond their physical possessions. 1 Peter 4, 12-14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Same word. Insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice. Same word. And be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in the God rests upon you. We see this over and over throughout Scripture, that this word is used in God's people, God's men and women, when they're going through very difficult situations, are rejoicing. Why is that? How is that even possible in the flesh? Because I know all of us here have gone through difficult situations. We've all had extreme heartaches, extreme pain. And God's word tells us, Rejoice. I believe the joy of God and the joy that is from heaven is not from this world. I've seen men and women in this world try to chase after joy slash happiness through all different avenues. Relationships, material, possession, you name it. Men and women, especially Americans because we got more time and more money than anyone else. We have pursued passion after passion after passion, hoping to get joy, hoping to get some form of happiness on this side of heaven. Church, the joy of God comes from him. And, and, a, and I just want to really make this clear for us because I think it's really easy for us to live a life chasing after joy and chasing after things that will just kind of bring us a little bit of like ease from the pain of this world. But, but as you look at Scripture, and as you look at who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, I believe that's where God's joy comes from. It's not based on circumstances. Circumstances in this life, as we all know, are just up and down, right? Good times, bad times. It happens all of the time to us. But I believe that when men and women come to faith in Jesus and when they keep their eyes fixated on Jesus, the joy of God can be everlasting within our lives through hard situations, through very difficult pain. Because I see that within Scripture. I see that within God's people. And I see that where this joy comes from, it doesn't come from ourselves. And I think we have to really recognize that because, like what I said, I, I see so many people chasing after it, chasing after the pleasures just to get a relief on this side of heaven. We all know that there's pain. Just being alive, not even being a like a Christian or non-Christian, if you are living and breathing on this side of heaven, we know that difficulties come. They will come. 
You've all probably faced them or you will be facing them. But I believe that God's word is very, very clear that God can bring us joy. And it's not because of us. It's not because of when life goes really well. It's because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I believe us, church family, we have to have our eyes fixated on Christ. At his birth, they were rejoicing. At his death and resurrection, they were rejoicing. As salvation came, they were rejoicing. As they were suffering, they were rejoicing. As they were going through trials, they were rejoicing. Why? Because they recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. There is a reason why this gospel is called the good news. And I think we have to preach it to each other on a daily basis because we can sometimes forget how good of news this really is at what Jesus has really done for us. All of our sins, church, your sins, my sins, everything that we can imagine that we have done wrong was nailed to that cross. Literally, God from heaven stepped down into time, became man to die for you and for me. It is like the greatest news in the world that like we can find forgiveness for all of our sins, all of our nasty thoughts, everything that we could possibly imagine that we have done and will do or maybe have done or maybe are doing in this very moment was nailed to that cross and you and me are forgiven. Like, there is so much joy in the salvation message that we have to, like, remember this daily. That God, yes, things are very, very difficult right now. And Lord, you, you see all of my pain and you see all of my struggle. But Lord, I'm going to rejoice in you because of what you have done for me. Guys, what Christ has done is truly everlasting joy. When you... See Christ. When, when we pass from this life to that life, when we see him, oh, you are going to be rejoicing and be glad. And I, I can tell you this, church family, we can walk in that daily. You're going to have difficulties. There is a time for mourning. There's a time for, 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 for weeping. You will have life struggles. I'm, I'm not trying to like downplay those, right? Like, you know, there are like some people that just have like a, have like a smile on their face 24-7 and you're like, come on, like do you ever face like any sort of like emotions in, in life? And it's like, you know, life happens. But I believe God can carry us through. I, I believe God can take all of our pain, all of our suffering, all of our heartache and carry us through. And I believe that we can have joy from him. It doesn't come from circumstances. If you're chasing joy based off of world circumstances, I'm just going to tell you this right now, it's going to fail you. God's word makes that crystal clear. Look at Solomon. Look at all of the wealthy people of Scripture. Solomon had everything. Literally, whatever he wanted, Solomon had. And he still recognized, it's not it. It's not good enough. But I believe when we have Christ, he can carry us through church. And you might be going through difficulties. You might be mourning for a friend or just struggles of this life that are taking place. But God's word commands us and challenges us and encourages us to rejoice always. And I think we can, we, we can do that because we're fixated on Christ. 
We are fixated on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we need to remind each other on a daily basis. This is who Christ is. This is how good God really is to us. That he truly did take all of our sins and has washed them away. He has forgiven us, church family. And we can walk in that joy. And there will be heartache. You know, in that joy that goes within that is unexplainable to this world. You know, when they look at you and just say, how are you making it through this right now? And you're like, yeah, it's hard. I'm not going to deny that life isn't painful at times, but I'm going to trust in my Savior. I'm going to be joyful in what He has done for me. And I'm going to cry, and I'm going to have bad weeks and bad months or maybe even bad years, but I'm going to daily trust in what he has done and rejoice in the fact of what Christ has done for me. And I just challenge you, church family, but also myself. You know, when I preach God's word, I'm not just preaching to you guys here. I'm preaching to myself as well here.